Today's podcast is sponsored by Genesis, the most comprehensive and complete education for pool professionals. The Genesis Career Pathway for Pool Builders and Design Professionals puts your team on the right track to become masters of their trade. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast. Today we have the good folks from Moat Marine Laboratory and Aquarium, Michael Moore and Dan Beback with us, along with Vito Mariano, president of Base Cree Technologies, who's involved with the waterproofing aspect of a very large and incredibly complex new aquarium project going on down in Sarasota. Thanks for taking the time to be with us here today. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you. Now, as I understand it, this new C project, uh, Science Education Aquarium, is a $130 million facility that Moat has planned near I-75 and University Parkway. I mean, it's a project that you guys currently have underway, and I was hoping that maybe you could tell us a little bit more about Moat, your mission, and this exciting new project that you guys have planned. Sure, we're happy to. So Moat Marine Laboratory um, actually began its life uh, about an hour south of Sarasota in Placida, Florida. Um, in 1955, our founding director, Dr. Eugenie Clark, was a, um, a, a young aspiring marine biologist. Uh, she had a lot of interest in shark biology, uh, originally from the New York City area. She used to, when she was a young girl going to school, she'd play hooky and go hang out at the New York Aquarium and and talk to the, to the curators there and really develop that, that interest in the seas and interest in the oceans as a, as a young girl growing up in Manhattan. The laboratory, its early sources were some initial small amount of funding from the, the Vanderbilt family who were friends with uh, Dr. Clark. And it literally started as a small trailer, a small boat dock and a little, a little John boat and Dr. Clark and a volunteer. And from then, uh, we've had the good fortune of, of really expanding and growing over the years, moving to Siesta Key in the 60s, and then to this current location on City Island, uh, the main campus on City Island in 1978. And we are first and foremost a marine science research laboratory. And the aquarium concept grew out of some scientists here in the 1970s who really thought it would be beneficial, Mr. Moat, um, there was a Mr. Moat. Uh, people sometimes wonder what, what does Moat stand for? They think it's an acronym or something like that, but there, there was a William R. Moat. Um, and he took a lot of interest uh, with Dr. Clark in the, in the late 60s. And uh, the laboratory was, was changed uh, to honor his, uh, his involvement um, in, I think, about 1968. But the interest in the aquarium grew out of Mr. Moat's desire and some scientists that time to talk to the public about the research that the laboratory was doing to, to bring kind of a public face to, to our research. And um, the, the original aquarium opened on City Island here in 1980. And since then, <clears throat> we've had the good fortune of growing in all areas in the research and the aquarium, the education, um, really all working very closely together the, uh, the research um, enterprise gives us a lot of content to talk about in the aquarium and the education programs. And it's a real world research, real world applications now spanning globally. Uh, we have uh, research activities all over the planet. Um, a lot of people, if they visit us in Sarasota or they, they, they live in Sarasota area or Florida, they think that we're just a local organization. That's not true. We've got uh, now um, six campuses in, in Florida. And, and as I mentioned, we do work internationally. 
the impetus for, for really the, the science education aquarium and the new aquarium is again tied to, to the research and the growth of research. And on our city island campus here, we are literally out of room. And so the idea came to us about uh, now about seven years ago. I mean, we thought about, well, you know, where we are here is a great place for a marine research laboratory, probably not the best spot for a public aquarium or public institution because we're on a barrier island. It's difficult sometimes to get to us. And it's difficult for school groups to get to us too um, because of, of traffic congestion and, and that type of stuff. So the concept was to build a new state-of-the-art science education aquarium focusing not only on the, the public exhibits, but also on STEM education. You can have three state-of-the-art classrooms there hosting about 70,000 students every year to partake in those STEM education classes, be part of those research, in those research laboratories, totally free of charge. And that's something that we feel, you know, very proud about. And so the planning uh, began in earnest about, about five years ago. A site was selected uh, in Nathan Benderson Park, uh, which is uh, right along I-75 and University Parkway. And we've been diligently working on the design and Michael, uh, my partner here on the fundraising, and uh, we're happy to be um, finally under construction. So, yeah, I saw that you guys officially got underway recently. I mean, Moat's actually pretty expansive. And you said there's like uh, six different campuses around the state of Florida and you're conducting research all around the world, but you guys are right out there on the front lines in terms of conservation. And this growth is all stemmed from what's been going on in our oceans. I mean, that need to expand is evidently what's been driving this project. Maybe you could tell me a little bit more about your mission in terms of conservation there. Yeah, and, and you, you've nailed it exactly. You know, I think some of our most exciting work that we do, and we've got over 200 um, different research projects, but some of the most exciting work that we do is in um, coral reef restoration um, in the Florida Keys and, and again, around the world. We're doing that in, in the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. We're doing that in the Middle East, uh, working with other scientists to, to um, grow these more resilient uh, genotypes of, of corals who have been um, damaged um, by either um, ocean acidification or temperature changes or different um, diseases. Um, and we've been able to, to, to develop these more resilient strains and repopulate um, some, of the, uh, some of the damaged reef tracks in, in, in those areas in Florida and the Caribbean. So on, I think the other you know, thing that even in the current aquarium, the guests, they really get a sense of, of interacting with our, with our volunteers and learning about the sciences. And it's real world applications that they can get involved with, you know, through like our citizen scientist programs down in the Keys. We, we work with the wounded warriors um, to repopulate and replant these damaged reef tracks. And so I think what's, what's, uh, what's great is a lot of our research people can really understand and get a, you know, see a real world application for it. I read that this facility is going to be like about 110,000 square foot dedicated specifically to advancing marine science education. I mean, who's involved in the architecture and the construction of this project? Well, the, um, the architects are TBS Design. They're based in, in Atlanta. They've got a wonderful portfolio. They've been great to work with. They were, they were the lead architects for the Georgia Aquarium um, and many other facilities around the world. 
we're fortunate again that we, we live in Florida where there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of companies that do a lot of uh, similar work in design. And so our um, owner's reps are, are um, AOA studios out of Orlando and our contractors are, are really formed a, a partnership to take on this uh, and to bid on this, this uh, project. And they are a local firm, Willis Smith Construction, based here in Sarasota, and they partnered with uh, Whiting Turner Construction. And so uh, Willis Smith has done virtually all of our construction, our buildings and, and infrastructure here at our main campus, and even down in the Florida Keys. And I think their partnership with Whiting Turner, so they can take advantage of some of the some of Whiting Turner's experience, especially with with the, um, the large aquarium, the large tanks and holding vessels that, that we're gonna have at the, at the new aquarium. Now with a million gallons of planned exhibit space, I mean, this new facility puts it on par with some of the largest world-class aquariums in the world. I mean, what's some of the challenges getting something like this funded, Michael? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's visionary. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a very iconic looking building. Um, it's uh, $130 million is uh, by some standards, that, that's not a huge uh, campaign, but in our case, uh, it's the largest for the region that's ever been done here. And, and the board and, and the CEO, Dr. Michael Crosby, have said, we need to have all the commitments in place. Uh, in other words, you know, we've got to have the money uh, committed through pledges over a number of years uh, before we can actually start the, the vertical construction of the building. So because a lot of people like to see something underway, before they'll step in and want to participate. Uh, it's, uh, it's presented some challenges in that regard because we're actually building on a, the 12 acres that we ha have is uh, we're building on a, a, a lake that, that's, uh, we have to drain the lake. We have to, you know, demuck it. We have to put in the dirt, tap, pack it down before we even have a foundation to start on. So that's the, the work that Dan mentions uh, that's going on now. But for the funding, uh, since it is the largest project in the region, this is a very, very philanthropic uh, giving you know, community. Uh, we're looking at three different sources of funds. Uh, philanthropy plays a big role. Uh, we have uh, two counties that are providing uh, funding in the state. And right now that, that total is $28 million from, from um, Sarasota County, Manatee County and the state of Florida. But the third bucket that we're going after is, is corporate sponsorships. Uh, this building with 700,000 visitors a year, there's a lot of opportunity for uh, us to tap into a company's marketing budget for them to, for a company to sponsor an exhibit for a period of 15 years. So we have naming rights versus uh, your typical commemorative naming. Um, so we're well on our way with uh, over 90 million uh, committed so far. Uh, and we're uh, hoping for, by the end of the first quarter of next year to have the full 130 uh, in place so that we can go forward. Well, that's terrific. I mean, I saw that $21 million of the project is actually earmarked towards the uh, STEM laboratories. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, it, Dan talked about, you know, the, the, the origins of moat and the fact that education about the oceans plays such a big role. Uh, it, it, it's impressed me the three and a half years I've been here. Uh, I, the, the amount of education that we do, whether it's uh, on site or it's virtual because we reach out into, I don't know, about, about 38 states, 20 countries with, with a lot of our programming. So it's just an extension. We're building on education that we're already doing by having these three STEM teaching labs. And as Dan said, you know, we're designing curriculum, working with the school districts 
uh, to come up with um, courses that help meet the requirements that these teachers have to teach to at the state of Florida uh, standards. But another piece of it, in addition to these three STEM teaching labs, one's marine ecology, the other is uh, ocean technology, and uh, the third one's a biomedical. Uh, we do some research in the area of uh, uh, dealing with human cancer as it relates to, to sharks and, and, and their, I guess there's uh, multiple types of, of, of research projects that are going on that relate to the, the cancer right now. But um, the, the, the other area is the four laboratories that we have that are workforce development for whether they're interns uh, at the college, high school level, uh, or people looking to gain a skill set that could help them in, in other types of jobs. And it's interesting that of all the funds we've raised so far, uh, people care about the research, they care about the uh, you know, coming and seeing the exhibits, but uh, the, the area of education has been one that's been predominantly the, the largest uh, draw uh, to this point. So, On this specific type of facility, I mean, there are tons of different environmental concerns when using the different materials to construct these kinds of enclosures that will have to support marine life. I mean, this isn't like building a pool. Who are some right. experts that you're consulting with when planning these types of research enclosures and habitats? Well, you, you, you raise a good point. Um, there's a lot of similarities with, with building pools, uh, and there's obviously differences. One of the, one of the challenges um, that we've had here is that, you know, you mentioned all the water, and that's true, and, and, but also this is a three-story building, you know, and, and so the, the top floor is right at, about a, right at about 96 feet, 98 feet, yeah. something like that. So some of our larger exhibits, the, the, uh, the manatee exhibit, for example, um, the river otters um, are on the top floor. And so the Gulf of Mexico exhibit is actually spans two floors. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's building a, building a big pool on the, on the roof of a hotel, for example, right. Is, you know, it's kind of this a similar thing. And so we've had to engineer it all. So it obviously supports itself. And uh, our, our lead engineers are EXP and the life support design um, is very, very important by life support. That's what, we, that's our filtration, our pumps and motors and, and biofilters and ozone and, and that type of stuff. And that's being um, engineered by PCA Global out of San Diego. So um, very, very respected companies. Uh, actually, Paul Cooley, uh, PCA uh, Global, um, has worked with us uh, from the very beginning here. In, in 1989, they actually did the ozone system for our, for our existing shark tank. So, um, so there's a lot of materials, you know, working with with, ba with Basecrete's been great. Um, Basecrete actually donated materials that we've used here at our at our existing facilities for our for our river otters, for our gators habitat, our our, our caiman habitat, uh, and it's been great products. So, you know, it's got to be all the products need to be resilient, obviously, because we're in there um, scrubbing down walls. Um, animals are rubbing up against it. Uh, and they're they're pretty rough on materials, um, and of course they have to be um, you know non toxic because we have um, you know animals living in there. There is going to be one similarity, and that we're going to have actually a dive program um, in our large uh, Gulf of Mexico tank. And so if you're uh, if you like to scuba dive or if you like to snorkel, we're going to have programs where you can join our staff and um, and experience what it's like to be in one of those big habitats with the animals. And so we're pretty excited about that as well. You seem to 
these vessels are suspended. I mean, some of these enclosures are going to be on the third floor of a vertical structure. I mean, this all presents some challenging engineering problems. What are some of the technical challenges on a project like this, Vito? Well, deflection is probably the biggest uh, issue that we deal with, you know, depending on the structure, how much movement, how much support, uh, the beams, uh, the posts that are supporting it. You know, we have, you know, pools that are more than two, three stories up, and 20, 30, 40 stories up, we have these pools. And uh, sometimes they're quite challenging. We want to make sure they're structured enough because there's always a movement. And um, if it goes beyond a certain percentage of movement, then, you know, usually getting a little bit of some difficulty. We want, want to make sure that it's structurally sound uh, before we do any, any waterproofing. And that's usually when we do a three-day uh, test, um, fill them up with the water, make sure that they're uh, perfectly sound and there's no leaks before any, any, anybody does anything further for those vessels. I mean, you've been involved with a bunch of large-scale projects like in uh, waterproofing uh, aquatic facilities like this. I mean, is this something you've come across before? Uh, yeah, many, you know, Tampa Zoo, Miami Zoo, Toronto Zoo. Many. So the Moat Marine, uh, which is uh, some, we've done quite a bit of work with them over the last five or six years. Actually, I think we do all the work with them. You know, marine life is a different challenge. Uh, we want to make sure that these uh, animals are well taken care of. Uh, you want to make sure you're giving uh, no VOCs, no toxicity. You want to make sure that whatever is in the concrete, that it's harmful to, to marine life. We want to make sure that's encapsulated. So Waterproofing is very important, uh, not just for the fact we want to maintain the water, but you want to make sure it uh, encapsulates everything that's possibly or potentially coming through, even in soil conditions. Well, you know, waterproofing, weatherproofing is, is very, very important. Um, and also looking at uh, the concrete mix, there's a lot of proprietary um, additives and concrete mixes to, you know, to help uh, avoid water intrusion, cracking, that type of stuff. Um, also, um, we also, you know, this, the, the aquariums, um, inland, um, you know, we're about, uh, 10 miles from the coast. And so our, um, all of our, um, seawater needs to be recirculating systems needs to be, um, you know, we, we don't have the luxury or won't have the luxury of, of, you know, drawing a lot of water from, from a natural source from the Bay or from the Gulf of Mexico, Right. like we do now and so it'll be a combination of making seawater and also using seawater that will truck in from from the current location uh, but that's not a problem um, it's just part of the design um, you know if you, you think about uh, I mentioned the Georgia Aquarium there's a lot of aquariums that are that are further from the from the coastline than we are at Epcot Center Living Seas is, is in Orlando uh, with you know millions of gallons um, and, and so are many aquariums. So it's just, it's just the engineering for the life support systems. Um, and we've got a lot of, of vessels that will be holding water. And, uh, you know, much like uh, pools, um, some pools, we're going to be using giant sand filters um, in a lot of our filtration. And when you backwash those sand filters, for example, in a, in a pool environment, that, that uh, backwash water is, is wasted and that's, you know, carries the waste product and that's what it's designed to do. But um, in order to, you know, recapture as much of that salt water as we can and fresh water, actually, um, we're, we're going to be using backwash recovery systems where we actually refilter and kind of clean up that backwash, um, remove as many, um, it concentrate as much um, organic material as we can before that goes to waste. 
And also we're going to have um, heat exchangers that recapture the, the thermal mass in those because we have to heat water, we have to cool water. Um, all of these tanks require different temperatures, um, all the way from the manatees to, um, to our uh, penguins that we're going to have. There's vast temperature differences there. And to save on electricity, and, and we also then recapture that, that heat and that cool from those backwash waters to, uh, to save as much as we can on utility costs. That's very forward thinking. And uh, it's a sustainable technology like that, that is, uh, that is green for the environment, lower carbon footprint. I mean, these are all great things. Um, in constructing this facility, I saw that it's going to be done in stages, right? I mean, the vertical portion is planned for 2022. What are some of the different phases of milestones before the facility is actually operational? Well, as, as, as Michael mentioned, the, the, the first one that we're in now is, is building the building pad. Um, and um, it is uh, the, the main building pad um, is in what's currently a, a lake that's there, a, a man-made lake. Um, that was part of the rowing facility. That's that's still uh, that's you know very very popular and active there, and so um, that um, um, is going to take uh, you know several months. We have to drain that lake, dam it, drain it. Um, there's some pipes that we have to move that are in the in the lake. If you drive by I-75 now, you'll see a lot of concrete pipes along along there. That those are the new pipes that are going in under the lake. Um, we've got about 140,000 cubic yards of dirt that we need to move um, in and compact it before the, 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 uh, we're ready to go vertical. Um, when we go vertical, the next phase will be all of the pilings. Uh, we're up to, I think, just a little over 280 um, pilings, concrete pilings that are going to be auger cast pilings. Um, and they go down to, uh, to bedrock, which is 90 feet. And so, um, again, that's to support all that water and all that weight, three floors. Um, and then we start building, um, you know, the, 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 the tanks, the vessels and the building itself. And, and, you, and this is a kind of a building that you can't, you can't just build a building and then build the tanks in or move the tanks in later. They're integral um, to the, the engineering is, is integrated into the building itself. And so you'll be building the building and the tanks um, all at the same time, uh, floor by floor. So those, those tanks are like load bearing. So they're part of the engineering specs, right? Absolutely, yeah. Right. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I've seen some of the artistic renderings, the, the 3D renderings that have been part of the, uh, the initial push for funding on this project. It's incredibly exciting that the project is now officially underway. I mean, how long do you foresee it being before you're able to get scientists, researchers, equipment, animals into the facility. I mean, I guess that means you're fully operational at that point. How long do you foresee construction taking before that happens? Yeah, well, once we go vertical, we've got about two years. Um, fingers crossed, no hurricanes, no bad weather. Um, we're actually going to be moving in animals probably about four months to six months um, before we open to the public. Um, that's not going to be all of them. It's going to be, you know, very selected ones. But some of them need more time to uh, to get acclimated to their to their you know new habitats, and so that'll be a kind of a slow process. But eventually, we'll move all of our um, existing um, animals over there, and and some new ones. Um, as I mentioned, the uh, the penguins um, are are new to us, um, so that'll be exciting, and they need some time to get acclimated to their homes too. So 
Um, and then uh, we'll be ready to go, open to the public. Well, really exciting. I mean, thank you guys so much for taking the time this morning to chat with us about it. I'm really looking forward to seeing some photos of the facility when it's completed. Yeah, our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. A big thank you to our sponsor, Genesis, the leading education program for pool builders and design professionals. Genesis and the PHTA are creating better career pathways for builders to become masters of their trade. Thank you for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and we'll catch you next time on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast.